True Achievements podcast. On today's show, wie komme ich am besten zum Cologne Bitter? We have all the news from Gamescom. Dashboard or trashboard? We check out the Xbox One interface. Sell all your belongings. The full Xbox One launch lineup is revealed. And we get hands-on with Titanfall, Call of Duty Ghosts, FIFA 14, and the big one, Peggle 2, in this month's sausage-eating, beer-quaffing, lederhosen-wearing, True Achievements podcast. everyone to the True Achievements podcast for September of 2013. As always, I am your host, OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Joining me on the podcast today, we have Michelle, otherwise known as Matriarch. Say hello, Michelle. Hello. I asked you to say hello, Michelle. But... I wasn't falling <laughs> for it. I knew what you were uh, setting up. Right. I'm my own person, Jay. My own person. Full disclosure, <laughs> it is currently a Saturday morning and Jay has had a little too much caffeine. So, also joining us today, we have the man you all want to hear from. We have Rich, otherwise known as True Achievement. Say hello. Hey, hello, hello. Excellent. I'm back. We're back. <laughs> We're back, baby. So much information, too. Is oh, too much. Yes. My brain is melting. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say, we have a jam-packed uh, podcast, lots of stuff to discuss. Uh, so, let's just jump right into it. We'll do a real quick uh, our kickoff segment, what you're playing. Uh, Rich, you've obviously been a busy, busy man over the past couple of weeks, but what have you been playing? I have. I have, but I have managed to cram in some Saints Row 4 Ooh. over the last couple of weeks. And um, I was a bit, I'm was i a big fan of the series, actually. Saints Row 2 and 3 I've spoken about before on this um, podcast as uh, excellent games. I, I really like both of them. So I was quite looking forward to 4, but it is set on exactly the same map as the previous two games. Steelport is identical, um, which is a bit of a shame. But as we know, THQ went out of business, so um, I think this game was slightly troubled um, as it as it came to be released. So I think it's gone through a couple of... I think it was actually originally supposed to be a DLC pack, but they decided to extend it into a full new game. Um, the storyline borrows pretty heavily from The Matrix, um, in that you and the Saints are cocooned in a spaceship after the Earth has been taken over by aliens, naturally. And the aliens try to trap you in a computer-generated version of Steelport. So that's why Steelport is still there. Um, But because of this mechanic, it allows your crew members on the spaceship to try and hack into the game and effectively give you superpowers while you're um, in Steelport. So it sort of turned it into a bit of a crackdown-type vibe. You can jump really high. You can run ridiculously fast. In fact, you can run faster than any of the cars. So <laughs> there's really no point driving around like you used to. And that was, that was I found that a bit of a shame, really, because driving around in the previous games was quite a lot of fun, but it's, it's just so slow compared to, to running um, that it, you don't end up doing it at all. Um, and it's a little bit repetitive. Um, there's, there's a main story mission. But there's also a whole ton of side missions, probably over 100 side missions, but all of them are just mini-games, sort of eight or nine different mini-games recurring, uh, which can become a bit tedious. I'm 70% through on the game's completion counter, um, in-game completion counter, that's not on achievements. Um, 
So yeah, I'm, I've done almost all the mini games, but I am pretty sick of them now, and I just <laughs> want to try and finish up the main storyline uh, before Tuesday because obviously Tuesday is. Is there something? Yeah, is there something coming out on Tuesday? I don't, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> you know, GTA day. It, yeah, I see so many people now that are all GTA is coming out, but there's it seems to be a small but equally vocal minority of what's this GTA five thing and why do really? I care? Wow. I'm seeing it a lot on my thread on my feed. Uh, like I have one friend on my feed who's always like, so did anyone pre-order GTA five? And everyone's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think there's a little oh, bit man. of uh, the, the Xbox one coming up and people kind of getting ready for, or PlayStation four, whatever people are getting, like people are kind of worried about their backlogs and not looking to add to it. And, uh, cause I'm, yeah. I'm friends with a lot of those folks. The people that have 700 games on their tag and have played about 40 of them. So they're, they're kind of a, <laughs> a little wary. Like, yeah. <laughs> the weird thing is I feel like the exact opposite. I feel like, this is the biggest launch of the year thus far. I've seen GTA everywhere. I mean, it's on buildings in Los Angeles. I, I know oh, my favorite non-video game absolutely. website had a really good uh, editorial about GTA Five this week. Mm. I mean, it is everywhere. I feel like everyone is pretty cognizant. So I'm having the exact opposite experience, Michelle. That's really interesting. I actually, funny story, I had a dream last night about buying GTA Five, playing it, and immediately just starting to run over and shoot people. And this is weird because oh. I haven't... Well, that can happen if you read... I know, I, have, I haven't played a GTA game since GTA 3, and, and I wasn't a huge fan, but something's wormed its way into my subconscious somehow. you got to be careful with stuff like that. Someone's going to find this podcast and take that out of context and oh, use God. that as a reason. Yeah, they'll just take that one quote. Right, they'll cut out, it was a dream. Problem. Yeah, uh, it's going to be... <laughs> now now I can bad. never run for You've... public office. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, Rockstar are not going to be happy all right. with you, John. Uh, all right, Michelle, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing kind of a mix of a little bit of everything, not really very focused. Um, I actually finally dug into the campaign of Ghostbusters uh, after finishing the multiplayer some time ago. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, kind of the big negative with Ghostbusters is the fact that you have to do all the multiplayer first if you want all the achievements. Getting any of the achievements in the campaign will lock out multiplayer achievements, I think it is. And they released a patch, and that's great if you had never started it, because you could do all the multiplayer and then do the campaign. But the patch didn't actually fix the game if you had already played it. Um, but the campaign's really solid. It's actually a lot of fun. The game is um, built to be canonical. It's it's part of the story of Ghostbusters. Um, it's, it's really entertaining. I wish I could have played the campaign first, because it actually teaches you how to play, which would have been helpful in multiplayer. Um, but it's a good time. So if you have that game sitting in your backlog pile, definitely give it a look. It's It's been a lot of fun. Um, and aside from that, as everyone knows, I'm a big advocate of the Connect, and I recently picked up my coach from that ridiculous Microsoft store sale where they were selling a whole bunch of games for 10 bucks. Um, it's tracked by a whopping 160 people on TA, <laughs> part of very exclusive love, having putting this on my tag. Um, but it's it's interesting. It, it builds uh, workouts more as phases. So it, you'll make a workout plan and it tells you there are three phases to the plan and each phase asks you to come back to your connect and do that twice a week for two weeks or three times a week for two weeks to kind of actually build a workout regimen. Uh, so it's kind of a cool concept that hooks up with the website. And also um, if you're interested in those fitness games and can find it relatively cheaply, it's it's pretty good actually. There's You have to recalibrate it quite a bit, but I'm finding that it, its approach is really cool and it's broken down by sports so you can do general fitness one way or the other but you can also pick a rugby plan and train for rugby via whatever exercises they felt were necessary for that so it's kind of a cool concept and definitely has kept me coming back so far so that's all i've been at cool. at the moment yeah i uh 
I've actually played quite a few games over the past couple of months. Um, with the games with gold promotion, I, I played through Crackdown. That, that game, uh, I just obviously started playing it. I, I'd heard a lot about it. That is just a fun, mindless game. I, I couldn't really sink my teeth into it because it doesn't really have much of a story. But that was just a, a fun mm-hmm. run around, cause havoc, collect those orbs type game. My favorite thing about Crackdown is the voiceover man. I think he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Agent. He's so cool. <laughs> but there's another game yeah. where you can run yeah, faster yeah. than cars. I, I had no yeah, desire to drive that game because I, uh, I had more fun climbing the buildings and jumping from building to building than I ever did driving. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the point. Well, did you go for that achievement where you have to climb to the top of the agency tower and jump into the pool? Yep, did it. That's a fun one. That's that's a good time to yeah. do. A little frustrating getting up there, but the jump is great. Yeah. Uh, I also... Uh, downloaded and completed Dead Rising 2 Case Zero, and I just want to, I don't know if anyone from Microsoft is listening, but thank you so much for including Case Zero and Dead Rising 2 kind of together there, because I was not a fan of Dead Rising 1, but giving me the option Mm. to just download Case Zero for free and give it a try without committing myself to playing all of Dead Rising 2, that was great, because I, I see the enjoyment factors in the Dead Rising series, but I really can't say I thoroughly enjoyed Dead Rising 2. There's just... It's something kind of Twilight Zone where, like, I understand this is a very good game. It just doesn't resonate with me. So I appreciated having, like, kind of a small taster platter of what Dead Rising 2 was. So I played through and completed that. And if if you like Dead Rising 1 and wanted to see it do more, hopefully you jumped in and got Dead Rising 2 Case Zero and Dead Rising 2 last month. But the thing that I really loved is uh, I finally managed to retrieve my copy of Dishonored from a friend I lent it to. And started playing The Knife of Dunwall. And good gracious, that that game is just so, so good. Dishonored, I was just looking back at what my thoughts were for the game of the year last year. Last year was an incredibly good year for games. Uh, Mass Effect 3 was always a personal favorite of mine. Bioshock, or not Bioshock, but Borderlands 2 came out. The Walking Dead was there. But I'm wondering if five years down the line, we're not looking back on Dishonored as the best game of that year. Just because... It had out such outstanding design. It's so open. There's a million ways to do it. Uh, the team at Arcane there, they're just geniuses. I was so in love with that game. And that DLC just really roped me back into it. So I played through and completed the DLC, which even includes achievements like play through the entire game without killing anyone and play through the entire game without ever being spotted. So those are, those are just really fun, well-designed achievements that I really really enjoy because they're ones you you work really hard towards for a long time so uh really if you have dishonored if you enjoy dishonored make sure you download the knife of dunwall because it's really great uh very good story too so i can't recommend it highly enough and then uh as i mentioned several times in our last podcast my birthday was at the end of august so uh my lovely sister uh bought me XCOM enemy unknown so i finally just started playing that uh you will both be proud to know you have soldiers in my XCOM unit, and they are all still alive. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Unfortunately, dog, dog is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, how appropriate. Like, <laughs> and that is why he's not here yeah. today, folks. Yeah, that is why Wait to break here. it to the listeners, Jay. <laughs> Sorry. But how does, um, how does that work? What do you mean you create? You know, uh, I'm not really familiar with XCOM. Yeah. So Basically what happens is uh, once you kind of get to your XCOM screen, you already have a couple of soldiers, and you can customize them. Basically the customization is, you know, you can rename them. Uh, you can kind of change their basic looks, which, which really don't matter. So I, I basically had a female soldier. I named him after you, Michelle, and I had a male soldier. I named him after Rich. Uh, I had another male soldier. I named him after Dog. <laughs> 
and then you were my first squad. Um, I know. I think that was the thing a lot of the, the games media did, is they named their squads after all their games media buddies, so I felt I should only do the same, even though it's about a year too late. So I'm really enjoying that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in a mission now that I'm glad I saved at the beginning of it, because it was one of those extreme difficulty missions, and I played it through like three times, and each time I'm getting a little bit better, a little bit closer but each time my squad has just fallen apart with the new aliens, so. Okay. Well, but it's really posted on how we do for you. I'm, I'm curious now. <laughs> I will. A recap next podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if you if you all still manage to make it. <laughs> so that's the uh, the games we've been playing. But uh, let's really get into the meat of this podcast. Rich, you uh, the past couple of weeks you had the opportunity to go to Gamescom. You got special press privileges as. We, as you should have, thank you, and you got to see some really cool stuff. So yeah, we're going to devote a big portion of this podcast to your thoughts on Gamescom. So let's just kind of start with your your general impressions of this year's event. Like, how was the attendance? I always hear it's just packed wall to wall. Yeah, and this year's attendance was a record: three hundred and seventy thousand um, people Ooh, went went wow. to Gamescom this year. Now that's not all in one day; that's spread over five days. Um, there's four public days, and there's one trade day. And uh, traditionally, the trade day is only open to the trade and the press. So that's the day that this is the third time I've been, and that's the day that we traditionally get to go and play everything because they don't let all the public in. And it, you know, you can right. walk around these vast halls with these huge stands, and there's very very small queues. I mean, literally five five minutes or no queue at all. Normally, is is the longest. So that was quite cool. But this year, uh, for some reason, in the afternoon on the trade day, there was a whole load more people than normal, and I think they were giving early bird. Um, tickets for people that bought four days, they could go on the trade afternoon, which meant that it was much harder to see anything on that first on that first afternoon, which was a bit of a shame. But we still got to see a whole ton of stuff and play a whole load of games. Plus, we were lucky enough to go and do quite a few developer um, sessions, which are in the trade-only areas, um, where you basically sit in a small room with a developer, um, just two or three guys, and you go through the game for half an hour and you can ask questions and stuff. And they're, they're really cool, and you get to see games properly and, and hear about the development, which is really the most in, um, interesting thing about the, the whole event for me. Um, I, d- I don't know whether you guys have got any idea of the actual scale of, of the show. It's, um, it's made up of five public halls. And each individual hall is probably the size of two American football pitches. So it's vast. I mean, it's hard to put it into words until you actually get there uh, and see it for yourself. But it is huge. I mean, each one of those halls, for UK listeners, is about the size of the full Earl's Court. So there's five of those. So there's there's plenty to see. Literally, you could spend a whole day just wandering around. uh, It's that big. And never see the same thing again. Like, we're sort of day four. We're seeing bits that we... Hang on, I've not seen that before. I didn't notice that was there. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty huge. And obviously, with so much space... Like, for example, EA took half of one of those halls um, for five games, and each one of those games was just this enormous stand with very, it's very, very well organized. There's huge queues, snaking queue lines, um, and they get people in, they get people playing, and they get people out, and it's, it's incredibly well organized. EA's area was absolutely fantastic. Um, and obviously, Microsoft had a very big area this year. They weren't even at the show last year, uh, which was a bit of, bit of a downer for us last year. But um, yeah, they went big this year. Uh, there were Xbox Ones all over the place, which was nice to see and very exciting for me. The first time I got to walk straight up to an Xbox One and pick up that Xbox One controller was a very special moment. Um, and I was playing Peggle 2. So that was, that was that you point. had the whole <laughs> selection just... on trade day. Empty queue. Yeah, it's weird. It was like the two. first thing I saw. It was the closest Xbox to me 
uh, there was maybe eight Xbox Ones in a row, and they were the first thing we saw when we walked up to the Microsoft stand, and there were uh, there was like three people playing. There were three free Xboxes, so I was there with two other guys. We all got on there, and we all played Peggle, and I, I held the controller. And um, so, it felt weird. <laughs> how do you mean it felt weird? Because going back a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about the Xbox One before we knew everything. That was a concern of mine, right? Mm. Was the How would the controller feel? It looks fine. So It does look fine. I don't know whether you guys have... So when I... My current Xbox 360 controller, I have the chat pad constantly connected. I do too. Mm-hmm. So that gives it more bulk. It gives it more weight. Um, obviously, the, the controllers that were in... Uh, Game, uh, Gamescom didn't have a chat pad on them, so they instantly felt smaller, even though they were a bit smaller as well, just because they didn't have that weight and the chat pad on them. Apart from that, it felt okay. The shoulder buttons felt very clicky. like There were quite a lot of resistance on the shoulder buttons, and that was quite weird, so that took a little bit of getting used to. Um, Peggle didn't really make much use of the um, <laughs> feedback in the triggers, <laughs> which is one. In fact, none of the none of the games on Xbox One that I played, I really noticed the feedback in the triggers, which is a real shame because that was something I was really looking forward to. And I don't know whether that's just the games I was playing didn't have it in in them yet, or the games I was playing aren't going to have it in them at all. But um, yeah, that was a shame because that was something I really wanted to look for. I thought that sounded really interesting. Um, so that was unusual. But yeah, it just felt it felt lighter. It felt smaller and the shoulder buttons felt very clicky so that was my my first comment on the on the controller i'm trying to remember back to when we all got our first 360 controllers mm-hmm. i'm sure there was similar things like that right the buttons felt a little sticky I'm or sure whatever and yeah you get used to them within, in over time, within a couple yeah. of hours um but no the first first impression was slightly strange yeah i know when i just i mean i just updated my 360 and got a brand new controller my old controllers were like five six years old probably and that new controller, it, it definitely felt a little weird for the first time, but now I'm totally used to it again. So that's really an interesting... I, I think it's one of the things we're all going to get used to, but it's good to definitely hear the difference impressions between the 360 and the Xbox One controllers, because that's obviously going to be our main point of interaction. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get used to it. It didn't feel horrible by any stretch of the emotion. It, uh, it just felt a little bit odd. Right. So you start at Peggle 2. Was that the highlight? <laughs> or did they keep Yeah, in fact, I played Peggle there? 2, and I thought... That'll do me for Gamescom. There's nothing that can top this. <laughs> I may as well leave now. <laughs> no, Peggle 2. Peggle 2 was uh, more Peggle, really. Uh, it didn't feel at all different in any way, apart from they've added an extra character, uh, which has special things, and it looks prettier. Uh, but apart from that, uh, it's more Peggle. But I love Peggle, so I was more than happy to play Peggle. <laughs> if they'd have changed it and it was a driving game, that would have, been, that would have annoyed me. But no, Peggle was fine. But um, that wasn't the highlight of the show, by any stretch. <laughs> Backtrap a little bit. You said you um, got to be in some private developer sessions because we are members of the press. Uh, did you get to see anything like the new Xbox dashboard, any of the firmware? Yes. Like so one of, the first, stuff? one of the first sessions I went to was with Microsoft and was um, on the new dashboard, uh, which was really exciting. It was done by Albert Pinello, who's the product, product planning guy at Microsoft. Um, and it was the beta version of the software, but the final version of the hardware. So obviously they're still tweaking the software and they can continue to tweak that right up until day of release and beyond. Uh, but the hardware was the final hardware. Um, and it was pretty impressive. You could um, have up to six different people logged in at one time and it detects um, who's in control effectively by their voice 
or by their face. So if you stand in front of the Connect, it will automatically pick up your face, assuming you've registered your, your tag on there, automatically log you in. Um, and if someone next to you, who's also been registered on that uh, Xbox and is also logged in, suddenly says, Xbox, show me my achievement list, it will show the achievement list of the other guy, not the guy that's in front. And that was really smart. And the friends list will be his friends list, whoever's in control, the dash. And it was it was instant. Like, there was no you know, waiting around while it sort of worked out who it was. And that was quite smart. The dash itself was incredibly clean compared to what I'm used to looking at on the 360. Now, whether that's because there was no adverts cluttering it up (laughs) or um, (laughs) it was just designed that way, but it did look very clean, very crisp, uh, very metro. Um, So, yeah, that was impressive. The achievement, they showed us the achievement page, which had um, challenges on it and um, how long there was left to get them if they were time limited challenges uh they have an achievement feed which shows uh up to three friends most recent achievement obviously it's nowhere um as complex as we have on ta but that was quite a nice little touch nice um they spoke about the friends list so the thousand friends limit and the way it sort of works is more of a twitter based um thing so you can follow famous people without them necessarily um following you back um, but if they do follow you back, then you effectively become friends. Hmm. Um, oh, and you can also, okay. yeah, it, it seems <clears throat> the idea seems to work really well. So um, that would be something like uh, if you if you really wanted to track um, Stallion in his quest for a million. Yeah, okay, exactly. So you could follow him. Um, at, well, he can have up to a thousand followers, so presumably, you know, that's plenty. And he, he would let you follow. You can stop someone following. You can block people if you wish. Um, but then if he follows you back, then you become friends and there's a lot more interactivity on the day. You can send private messages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can f- um, prioritize favorite friends and stuff as well uh, for things like notifications, which was something we were all worried about, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing I saw, which was really cool, which was a public demo of Connect. So this was on the show floor and there was thousands of excitable Germans all around, loads of noise. <laughs> Um, you know, flashing lights everywhere. And they showed Connect. They had a little stage in the middle of this carnage and they invited six people up and they had Connect on a big screen behind them. And Connect was doing cool things like showing all six skeletons. It picked people up instantly uh, as they moved around. The skeletons were, you know, perfectly in time. It was it was actually really impressive. Um, so I'm quite excited uh, for Connect and what, and what they can do with that. And I can't wait to actually get my hands on it. Um, yeah, so that was that was the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that I saw that was quite cool on the dash. So your general impression just with the hardware demo is, is your excitement equal, less, or more than what you had going in? It's more, because I've seen it's real. I've seen how clean everything is. There's always the worry that the stuff you see on the E3 demo and the Microsoft um, conference was staged, but pretty much everything we saw was, was clearly live-action and, and actually happening and done while we were there, they, they were at pains to say um, there's not some guy behind the wall in you know, our <laughs> Xbox One dev, dash, um, dashboard session. It, you know, He was showing us the Xbox One, the cable going direct to the TV, and there was nothing else there, just the connect, and it was all happening in real time, and that was, you know, it was quick, it was impressive. Um, so, yeah, so I am more, I am more excited, more excited, definitely. Awesome. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's take a quick chat. Did you see any of those Microsoft game products, like uh, Dead Rising 3, or uh, I know you're super huge into Forza 5, so if you want to jump straight to Forza, t- you can tell us Yeah, about okay, that let's talk like about Forza. So I did a dev session with um, Turn 10's Dan Greenwald, who's the main guy at Turn 10. 
Um, he showed us the new graphics engine, which was phenomenal. I mean, Forza's always looked good, but this is taking it you know, up several notches. Um, it, it was that detailed. In Forza, as you're driving around, you can pause the game and you can swing the camera around and have a look and sort of steer into space and, and, and have a look at stuff really close up. And the detail around the track was absolutely ridiculous. Like the, You can actually see like where on the concrete walls, where, where accidents have been. You can see birds flying around the sky. Um, it really was incredibly impressive. And he, he showed us something where when he started the race, the, the car was immaculate like just being cleaned by the end of the race it had like oil marks on it uh, dust on the windshield it was it was pretty impressive to see the level of detail um and and the effort that they've put into the physics engine was phenomenal they've gone around all the tracks that are in the game and they've taken temperature readings um and resistance from the asphalt around all the featured circuits so the physics engine is actually so advanced that it can adjust the tire grip as one of your wheels um, goes onto a bit of tarmac that's in shade because it will be cooler, therefore there's slightly less grip. Um, it, and it's that detailed. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I have two questions about Forza, and I know you have more to say, but uh, I remember the, the news story, and I think I even mentioned you on Twitter when I found out about it, that the guys from Top Gear are featured voices in Forza. Uh, I just finally have gotten into Top Gear. Me, my wife and I, we love it. Um, ha- did you get to hear or see any of that? No, we, did, we didn't see any of that. But um, they were actually in Forza 4. Okay. They did a couple of intros, and the, one of the tracks was actually the Top Gear test track. Nice. Uh, in Forza 4. But, yeah, they're much more um, involved in, in this in this game. Um, I think they do a piece about... So, okay, this is the interesting thing about the game. There's a massive change to career mode. Traditionally, in Forza and in quite a lot of other um, serious, should we say, racing games... Um, the career goes into various seasons, and then you start off in season one, and you have pretty slow cars. The races are quite short, um, and then gradually you go through. And like by season five, you've got a faster car, but the races have more laps, and they're much longer tracks. And then eventually, by season seven, you get bored and you give up and, and <laughs> you go and play something else. And that's been the way of Forza, and it's been like Project Gotham. I think worked in the same way, and Gran Turismo worked in the same way, and quite a lot of the sort of less arcadey but more serious driving games have that sort of structure. And they've completely abandoned that for Forza 5, um, which was very interesting. So instead of having those seasons, they have eight leagues, um, career leagues. And each of those is based on like a car type. So it will be sports cars or rally cars or hot hatches. Um, And then within those leagues, there are six mini careers, each one lasting between an hour and 90 minutes which they did a whole ton of research. You know what these guys are like. They research all the time. And they found that that was a sort of standard play session time between an hour and an hour and a half. So there's lots of these mini careers. Forty, I think there's 48 mini careers um, lasting around that sort of time. But each one of those careers has a Top Gear intro. So the guys from Top Gear will talk about the cars that are within that uh, genre of vehicle um, and go through all that stuff. So that's where the Top Gear stuff comes in. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, he showed a spa which looked, Absolutely fantastic. Um, I know I'm, I just can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm excited <laughs> by Forza. But it sounds like it. Forza's been quite daunting because of that traditional right. career structure, which is, you know, a very big effort. Whereas this, you can just, it sounds like you can just pick up, play it, pick a car you want to play. You, you know, you don't have to start with a, a Ford Fiesta. You can start with something really funky, getting your Pagadi Zonda, and um, just <laughs> go straight off the bat and, and have fun, you know, as soon as you install that game, which 
to me sounded awesome. They also talked about using smart matching in the online. So the theory is, which is I think it's probably been a theory forever with multiplayer games, um, that it will match you with people of a similar ability when you go and play online, which which should be cool. Now, did you get any hands-on with this, or was this strictly just demo? They had it on the show floor. I could have got hands-on, but to be honest, once I'd seen... Um, the, once I'd had the dev session, I, I thought, I know I'm going to enjoy playing it anyway, and there are literally a hundred other games that I need to go and see, so I didn't bother getting the hands-on. I could have done, and I sort of feel like I should have done, but it's going to be with me in under just over two months anyway, so I can wait. Good deal. <laughs> um, any other Microsoft-specific games that you saw kind of behind the scenes? Yeah, I'm just going to... I'll, I'll cover these quickly because I saw so much stuff. So let me quickly mention Dev Rising 3, which um, looks ridiculous fun. I mean, just crazy amounts of fun. Um, very different to the other games. Um, I haven't played Dead Rising 2, so I was interested in what you were saying earlier, Jay, but certainly Dead Rising 1 I played and the save system yeah. put me off that game. It was, it was too tough and you ended up getting stuck in places and you couldn't get back to where you wanted to to save and you'd sort of lose the last hour and a half of gameplay and that yep. you know totally. that that frustrate right there with you <laughs> beyond wanting to play it so yeah but they've ditched all that for 3 um there's a lot of um obviously you still got the weapon um customization so you can combine different objects to make weapons but you can also combine vehicles in 3 to make these ridiculous Fun, oh. massive zombie destroying. <laughs> that sounds cool. That sounds, that sounds very mad. Because, yeah, it just looked fun. And the only issue I would say was there was a hell of a lot of slowdown okay. um, when they were driving through fields of zombies and everything was getting mashed up. Um, whether that will be fixed for release, I don't know. They they did say it was a long way from being the final code. So to be honest, it looked like so much fun that you wouldn't really care. But when you're watching someone play. You notice that when you're when you're playing it, you notice mm-hmm. it less. Did they get a chance to show off any of the other features that were like that? We've heard a lot about smart glass features and um... yes, in fact, he had he had um, a surface below the TV and it rang for him, <laughs> like it called him in the middle of while he was playing, and it was actually someone offering him a mission in the game, which was nothing really cool. So it's like a, a mobile. Phone. Obviously, you could have it on a phone as well. And that would be just like mm-hmm. your phone ringing. You pick it up and someone's like, hey, there's a mission for you to do. Come and save me. I'm stuck in a shop down here. Uh, bring guns. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty smart. Yeah, it looked, it looked cool. They didn't, they didn't demonstrate the um, airstrike stuff, but we've seen that before. But yeah, there was a, in fact, that was a sort of running theme between um, a lot of the things we saw, including Project Spark, which I'll talk about in a moment. There's a lot of smart glass integration. Um, it sort of felt a little bit like a fad. I, but because they were calling you and you didn't have to initiate it, that was what I thought was quite cool. Like uh, We've talked about before how weird it is to put down your controller and to right. pick something up in the middle of a game. It doesn't seem natural. But if they're calling you and you're in the middle of a fight, it's, it's sort of almost real-life sort of thing. Oh, God, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> um, so th- that, was, that was quite cool. But, yeah, the game looks amazing. It looks so much fun. Great. Uh, you mentioned Project Spark. Why don't you just take a minute or two tell us what you saw with there? I had no excitement at all really about this i saw the original um microsoft uh, trailer for it back in the day but um we had a really good dev session with the guys they were really enthusiastic about the game um the interesting thing i learned was that it was going to be free to play right um and it's going to be available on windows 8 before it hits xbox one next year and it's also coming out on 360 um and all of the worlds that you create will be um playable on any of those platforms so all of that sounded 
pretty interesting. But yeah, the, the speed, I mean, I've, I don't know whether you guys have played Little Big Planet, but um, that's the comparison that people instantly draw um, because it's, a, it's the only other big, big name game where you can make levels and that's almost the whole point of it. Um, so we raised that at the time, um, but I did, and I, the problem I had with trying to make a level in Little Big Planet is it takes forever and you have to be very patient and um, everything needs to be lined up in the correct way and going trying to find all the different objects that you need takes a long time using a controller but especially using smart glass where you've got the touch controls um, it was very very easy for them to build up a world I mean literally he built a, a beautiful island with mountains and forest um, and started putting enemies in there and it literally took a couple of minutes and it was a play- suddenly a playable game you can jump in and in fact you can still design it while you're within the world so while you're in that 3D environment you can still add stuff oh that's cool yeah it was, it was very cool in fact the demo he did he, he created um, four ogres um, which were running around trying to get him so um, so he could carry on and, and keep talking to us without worrying about these ogres he sort of dug a big hole and they around them, and they sort of eventually fell into this big hole, and they couldn't get out. And he was talking to us, and then he showed us how he could create. Um, so he wanted to show us how big the the play area was. So he he started building like a, a grass verge, and it and it just went up and up and up. And he's walking along it as it's getting higher and higher and higher. And you can just see this island behind him um, fading into the distance. And all of a sudden, um, the guy that was sitting next to me just burst out laughing. I was in a really serious thing. He was talking about the uh, level of detail that was going into it and how hard they'd worked on it. And my mates just cracked up next to me. I was like, why is, it, why is he laughing at this? It's not funny. And he was pointing at the screen. And basically, one of the ogres had managed to get out of this um, hole that he'd dug, had run to the edge of the island, jumped into the sea, and was swimming towards... <laughs> This guy, like you could just see him in the distance, these arms, these ogre arms in the water, just swimming along, just trying to get him. And everyone had a real chuckle. But it sort of shows you how um, capable the the intelligence is, the AI um, in, in in the objects that are in that world. And all the AI is swappable, so you could take the AI from that ogre and put it in anything you like, any other object you want. Um, so yeah, we saw a lot of that, and that that whole behaviorism system that's that's in the game looked really interesting. Um, anyone can create behaviors for any uh, any object, and those behaviors can be downloaded and, and applied to anything else. So they also showed us a um, a cool video of of everything that um, just a sn- like a snippet of maybe fifty different games that they created uh, or their beta testers. I think there's a thousand people currently beta testing it that they'd come up with, and it covered a whole gamut of different things. You had two D platformers, you had first person shooters, you had third person shooters, you had space. Um, vertical scrolling shooters, you had uh, adventure games. It was just amazing. And all of these things were made in the same engine. So, yeah, it was it was really impressive. And the whole the fact that it's free-to-play means I will definitely be downloading it and giving it a go. Cool. Uh, now, those are kind of some of the demos you saw, but let's talk about what you got hands-on with. I mean, obviously, one of the points of going to a big conference like this is that you get hands-on, you have the opportunity to get hands-on time with a game before anyone else. So, uh Tell us about you know your high points, your favorite games, the stuff you saw. Sure, sure. Um, okay, my high point was definitely Titanfall, which I didn't go into Gamescom particularly excited about. I knew a bit about it. I didn't know a vast amount about it, but um, it was by far the most fun game we played when we were there. And I was, I was, I'm not a massive multiplayer um, gamer. I, I generally play first person and sort of dabble with multiplayer, especially shooters. Um, but Titanfall. 
it's, I, it's from everything I've read, it's entirely multiplayer. So there's no single player campaign for Titanfall. Um, so it lives or dies by its multiplayer. And damn, it was good. It was so, so good. They showed us a video before we went in, um, which was unusual, really. The, we saw a lot of games hands-on, um, and most of the time we were queuing, and that was about it. But Titanfall, they showed us a video of um, the classes we would be able to play, the controls that we would be able to use, and it gave you... It sort of got you over that first five minutes of, like, what am I doing? Um, before you even picked up a controller, you had an idea of what you were going to do. Um, they told you about the mechanic for how to call in Titans, how to get into the Titans, uh, the, wep- the different weapons packs you can use. Um, and so we, we, as soon as we got in front of that console, we, we had an idea of what we were going to do. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. The, the, the concern with a game like this is that you are going to be underpowered when you're not in a Titan, and you're going to feel ridiculously overpowered when you are in a Titan. So the Titans are like these huge mechs which have ridiculous guns on them. Um, but the the clever twist in Titanfall is that when you're on the ground, you can parkour pretty well. So you can jump, you can double jump, in fact, uh, very, very high. So you've got like a little jetpack on um, and you can run along the side of buildings, which means that you can uh, navigate the, the map incredibly quickly when you're on foot. Um, and that agility counters the additional firepower you have when you are in a Titan. So the balance, which they've obviously been working on, I mean, clearly that was the big thing for this game, uh, felt immediately right. I had just as much fun when I was in the Titan as I did when I was not in a Titan running around. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I, I've written a massive blog on it. Uh, no, in fact, it was on it was a homepage um, news story on the game My Hands On. So check that out. Um, it, it goes into a lot more detail. Uh, but yeah, definitely my game of the show. Fantastic. I can't wait to Yeah, play. that seems to echo a lot of people. Titanfall won something like six Critics' Choice Awards, which I think was some kind of, it was like a record. No game had ever done that before. Wow. So definitely getting a lot of buzz for that. But um, anything else at the show? I know there was lots of other big stuff. There's a new Call of Duty game there, the next Battlefield, um, yeah. any of that stuff you yeah. get a chance yeah, to play Yeah, I did with? get to play all of those. Um, Call of Duty, again, uh, while you were queuing, um, they showed us three videos. So they sort of take you into little rooms and you think, oh, I'm going to get to play the game. And then you're in another room and there's a big video that you have to <laughs> stand there and wait 15 minutes while it happens. Um, uh, yeah, there were three videos, three um, excerpts from the single player campaign. And I don't know, I think when you've got the opportunity to show three sections, you you would think they would sort of cover a variety of different gameplay scenarios. I mean, Call of Duty games, are obviously, they're first-person shooters, but there's a lot of variation in what you're doing in those first-person shooters, whether you're in a plane, whether you're in a you know a massive battle, gun battle with loads of other people, or whether you're on your own doing some snipey-snipey. Um, but all three of these videos were very uh, low-key. Um, there was one where you were, you were diving and you had a um, sort of harpoon gun underwater and admittedly it looked fantastic it was very very pretty uh, there was another one where you're sort of abseiling down the side of a building and going in and shooting people and there was another one where you're in a um, uh, in a sort of foresty area um, but all of them were, were just you and maybe one other guy none of them were like big set piece things I guess they don't want to spoil it but to show three videos that were very similar seemed like a bit of a waste to me so I wasn't particularly excited we played it we played um, multiplayer um level uh, capture the flag type affair um and i enjoyed it because i did quite well and i don't traditionally do very well but i came, <laughs> I came second on my team and my team won um so that was i actually had a really good time playing it but it was more cod i mean it, 
you know, it's, if you've played COD, you've played COD Ghosts, yeah. really. Now, now, my question is, are they running these um, on 360? Are they, I mean, are they running them on high-end PC with a 360 controller? That's a good question. Now, we couldn't see the boxes on any of these. So, although we were using Xbox One controllers, and in fact, the, the very cool thing with Titanfall that they did was they had um, a PC keyboard and a Xbox 360 controller, and you could choose whether to use Wait. keyboard or mouse or oh, 360 controller? Three, uh, sorry, uh, Xbox One controller on the same okay. box. So obviously they were running on PC for Titanfall. Um, but it was nice to have the option. So there were PC, obviously PC players that went straight for the keyboard mouse option. Um, so no, I, I couldn't tell you okay. the answer to that. I don't know. Um, I, I just know that like a, a lot of times at this point in the development, you know, the, the builds are a lot more stable on, on PC than they are running a console build. So I'm always just slightly curious. I know it's not a huge factor because it happens all the time in industry shows. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of the things I was curious about. I can tell you for sure that Peggle was on a one. <laughs> <laughs> and I can also tell you that Forza was on a one. Uh, they were and, and FIFA, which I'll just briefly mention Battlefield, which I wasn't impressed with at all. There you go. Really? That's my review of Battlefield Uh-oh. 4. Uh, <laughs> um, FIFA, we played on 360 and on Xbox One. So we played the Xbox okay. One version first. They had both, um, which felt amazing, very slick, uh, stunning graphics, uh, everything you'd expect. I mean, just FIFA, but <coughs> right, again, cranked up a couple of notches. And obviously, that's going to be the free game for um, Europe, although yeah. I think they're giving, now given the option of Forza 5. Um, so I'm very excited about that. But we also played it on 360, and it was noticeably slower. Now, I had always assumed if you were bringing a game out multi-console, you'd make the speed run the same and you'd degrade the graphics. That's what I would yeah. do. But it was noticeably slower experience. Now, I don't know whether they tweaked the setting, because you can actually change the game speed, but all those menus were, lo- were locked down for us, so we couldn't see that. But it, they, you know, they were right next to each other. It seemed an odd thing to do, unless... They were doing it to say, hey, look how cool the Xbox One is. It can run FIFA really fast. (laughs) Um, So that was interesting. But yeah, FIFA's FIFA. Um, One other game I will give a mention to was Need for Speed Rivals, um, which was a whole ton of fun. We had an absolute blast playing that game. You split into two teams, cops and robbers, or cops and bad guys, I'm not sure if they were robbers, Um, driving around, really nice handling, very, very pretty. Um, just a, a whole ton of fun. I cannot wait to play that game as well. Awesome. So obviously you saw tons of stuff and you got to yeah, play. Yeah, we played 25 games wow. at Gamescom this year. One question though, did you get to play anything actually that was a Connect game? Not something that used the Connect as an accent, but actually used the Connect 2.0 or was anything set up for that or whatever they're calling it? They did. They had Connect Sports Rivals. Okay. Uh, the new Connect Sports game, but I didn't play it. I watched some people playing it, and um, you could tell. So I've played Connect Sports too, and that has a, a football, yeah. um, soccer, sorry, soccer uh, mini game in it, which is pretty terrible. I mean, I played. <laughs> I, play. I had a friend over, and we played it for a good half an hour, and it seemed almost random where the ball went when you mm-hmm. when you kicked it. it. It didn't really seem to. Uh, pick up the direction or the angle of your foot, let's say, uh, to, to, to kick the ball in the right direction. So um, I always felt that that part of Connect 1 was lacking, but certainly the stuff we saw on Connect Sports Rivals uh, looked a whole lot more impressive. And I, th- I really do think that tech, as soon as you get your hands on it, Michelle, you're going to love it. <laughs> it. It really is a whole, a whole what, you know, probably what people would say what Connect should have been the first time around. Right. All right, uh, Rich, I'm going to ask you three final questions before we kind of move on. So I'm okay. going to say them all so you get a minute to think about them. But first and foremost, uh, I want to know what was your game of the show? 
Second, what was your biggest surprise of the show, either good or bad? And third, uh, what what left what felt what left you lacking? What felt what what did you feel was like a game or an experience that was not what you'd expected, kind of disappointing, and hopefully, you know, maybe they have time to turn around. So, game of the show, biggest surprise, and thing that left you lacking. Okay, game of the show, Titanfall, as, as I said earlier, just blew me away. Um, biggest surprise. Now, I'm going to tie these last two questions together, because I don't know whether you remember, but I was raving after E3 about seeing the video trailer for The Crew. Yes. Ubisoft's... Um, Online sort of uh, tag team racer uh, car chase game thing, uh, which looked amazing. I, th- I still think that trailer is one of the best things I've ever seen. They had that playable uh, on the show floor. So that was one of the first things I did was when I saw the crew was there, I was so excited for the crew. Um, and I started playing it and <laughs> the, handling, the handling was so, so bad. And the, the thing was, I, I was surprised because they put... The, like the advert we saw, there were some really smart fast cars with sort of Ferraris in it. It looked really, really good. Uh, they were, I was uh, on the show floor demo, you were in a truck, like a big, heavy, ugly truck. And you had to drive around, and it was sort of a checkpoint challenge. And there was bits that were a bit off road, there were bits that were in the city, but it just the hand, honestly, you had to start steering two seconds before you wanted the car to move. It was, uh. it was really that bad. Um, so I played it and I was like, oh god! And the guys I was next to, I'd been raving about. They knew, they hadn't seen the the trailer. <laughs> I was like, oh man, they got the crew, they got the crew. And I'd literally been going on about it the whole time. And we all sort of came off it, and they were like looking at me like, what are you like? Why is this the most exciting game for you? And I I was like, right, look, it's because they put a truck. For some reason, they've chosen to have the truck demo on the show floor. <laughs> so anyway, we managed to get a behind the scenes session with the crew. So this was a couple of days later. We went to see them. They were really enthusiastic. They raved about it. And we got to play it again. And this time, they gave us the fast cars. I was like, yes, we're finally going to get to see what this game is all about. And the handling was just as bad, if not worse. It was just like, oh, man. And we were driving along through this city. And the guys, and we we were in a really, really smart sports car. And the handling's all over the place. Literally, couldn't, couldn't steer the thing around corners. And I was like, why is it handled so weird? And he said, well, you're in a race car. That's really only for the racetrack. I was like, really? I'm in a city, you know, it's proper tarmac. He's like, yeah, you need an appropriate vehicle. I was like, oh, man, I, I just can't I can't be bothered anymore. Yeah. So I've gone from being the most enthusiastic person in the world for the crew to definitely not be purchasing in that game, which is a real well, shame. They still, I mean, a they real, still have some time to iron some of those issues out, but if the developers are straight telling you, yeah, you've got a track mm. car, you can't right. drive that in the city, that's just... Yeah. yeah, it sounds like development mm-hmm. philosophy. It's not going to yeah. change over over time. No, so that was that was my biggest disappointment um, and and the biggest surprise because I I honestly thought that was going to be amazing. But I will be buying Need for Speed instead for my fun racer. Excellent. Well, thank you for attending that, Rich. I'm sure it was very hard for you to take time away to go to. It Germany. was awesome. i'm just gonna can i give a quick shout out to the game overcast uh podcast guys who took me or we went out for a ridiculous evening it was one of their birthdays it was a 4 a.m job um but yeah big shout out to those guys we had a fantastic time in in cologne in fact if anyone gets the opportunity to go to cologne go because it's the most amazing city with or without gamescom good deal excellent well uh that's great uh so it's, it sounds like you're definitely sold uh, on the Xbox One and had some really good experiences. So that leads us nicely in. Um, we had quite a bit 
of Xbox One news kind of come out in the past couple of weeks. Uh, the biggest news is the release date. Uh, Xbox One is going to be hitting on November 22nd, which is the anniversary of when the 360 was released. So that's, right. that's pretty cool. Uh, the next little bit of news is the Xbox One Season Pass guarantee. Now, Season Passes, they're always going to be kind of controversial. Some people love them, some people hate them. But one of the nice things Microsoft seems to be doing is if you buy the Season Pass for uh, an Xbox 360 game, uh, like Battlefield 4 or Call of Duty Ghosts, uh, you will also be entitled to the Season Pass for the Xbox One version. So if you start playing Battlefield 4 on the 360 and a couple months later you decide to upgrade to the Xbox One, that uh, Season Pass is going to pass over to your new console, which... But presumably you'd still need to buy the game again. Oh, yeah, yeah well, of course. <laughs> well, you can use that, um, at least here in the States, GameStop's doing something where you can purchase the game, and then if you if you bring it back within 30 days, you get you get the one version at a significantly lower rate. There, there are some places doing specials like that to try to get you in on getting both, but you're still paying more than you would to just have the one copy of the game. Correct. But still, every little bit helps, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And the fact that you won't have to buy a season pass twice, that, 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 well, that's that got to be nice for some gamers. Well, for the folks looking to chase gamer score, right? Which is certainly an yeah. uh, interest that many people yeah, on stack, TA share. Stack them. Uh, exactly. You can stack them across the two consoles. So uh, it's it, now you're instead of buying that and getting the extra 750 gamer score, whatever the season pass includes, you potentially have an extra 1500 gamer score out of that. So that, and it's, it's just, it's nice to know that you don't have to buy duplicate content that's digital. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, we mentioned earlier, a few minutes ago, the Xbox one, it's got a launch date now. It's going to be November 22nd. Microsoft has also confirmed the launch market. So Gamers, if you are not aware, if you live in one of these countries, you will be able to get your Xbox One on November 22nd. Those countries are Australia, Austria. There's a difference. (laughs) difference. I'm an American, but I'm not an ignorant American. Australia, Austria. There's a difference. Uh, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, New Zealand, Spain, the UK, and the United States. So, gamers, if you live in one of those countries, congratulations. Microsoft will be getting you your consoles on launch day. But there is bad news, which is tragic and unfortunate. There are eight countries who are going to get their Xbox Ones in 2014. So, I'm, I'm going to do my best to console those gamers who live in Belgium, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, Norway... Russia, Sweden, and Switzerland. And I feel particularly sorry for Switzerland because they're neutral in everything Mm. and they have to remain neutral (laughs) about this decision. Uh, So unfortunately, uh, it looks like several countries in Europe uh, won't be getting their Xbox Ones until 2014, which is kind of sad. Um, Obviously, it's a huge task rolling out a console, especially with localization issues. Uh, So this is kind of to be expected sometimes. But it's still never good news for those countries that are affected. Agreed. The PS4 is not coming out in Japan until next year. That's that's to me that's crazy. Just because Sony is so huge in the Japanese market. Yeah, but that's why right. they've yeah. got that market sewn up already. There's no need to really. Right, they don't need to rush this no. out at all for them. Not that they're rushing here either. It's just this is this is the time of year to get it done. Consoles yeah, I mean, Microsoft would have chosen these countries to to focus on through research. You know, as you say, they've only got a certain amount of consoles. It can't be everywhere at once. So they, they would have chosen 
Right, I'm curious too how much the the connect has to do with it because the voice recognition and mm. um, some of those markets, yeah. uh, the connect learning those languages may have something to do with the pushback as well. I, I would definitely agree, especially for those countries with different dialects across their entire country. Uh, I know Switzerland mm, right. has several official languages, so yeah. right. that, that's got to be right. Yeah, but presumably French and German, which are two of those yeah. official languages, are already covered by the French and German releases, so... That's true. Well, mm, I, I know I that know. here in the United States, uh, the English I speak in Ohio is different from the English that is spoken in Michelle's neighborhood, which is different from the English spoken in Texas, yeah. which is different than spoken in here. northern Minnesota. So, I mean, regional dialects are going to play crazy with Connect. And I know the same is true with the UK. I, 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 yeah. So. If you've ever sp- spoken to Dave Kay, <laughs> that's a struggle. <laughs> Big shout out to you, Dave Kay, although oh. you probably can't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the intro song for the podcast is instrumental. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. This is also why uh, My Fair Lady is still very popular. <laughs> anyway, um, let's uh, let's move on to other happy news. Those countries that are getting the Xbox One uh, on launch date in November, we do have the launch console or the launch title lineup solidified. That was solidified back at Gamescom. So, in alphabetic order, just to show no favoritism. These are the games that Microsoft has said will be available at launch. Those are Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, Battlefield 4, Call of Duty Ghosts, Crimson Dragon, Dead Rising 3, FIFA 14, Fighter Within, Forza Motorsport 5, Woo! <laughs> Just Dance 2014, Killer Instinct, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, Loco Cycle, Madden NFL 25, NBA 2K14, NBA Live 14, Need for Speed Rivals, Peggle 2, Power Star Golf, Rise, Son of Rome, Skylander Swap Force, Watch Dogs, Zoo Tycoon, and the one you all need, Zumba Fitness World Party. <laughs> because what would is the it world just me, be? Or is there really a need for two NBA basketball games? You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Rich, because I, most plugged in gamers know the struggles that EA has had with their mm-hmm. NBA Live franchise just. The quality has been poor. They they've canceled games right after they were launched. I think it was NBA Live 12 or NBA 12 that reviewers got it. It reviewed terribly, and EA just pulled the plug yeah. on it and never released it to the public. So that's something I really am going to keep an eye on, just from an industry perspective, to see how many gamers are actually going to buy into EA jumping back into the the NBA market with NBA Live 14 because 2K has really sewn that market up with their quality yeah. uh, NBA titles. So I really want to see. Right. How that's going to play out. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Rich. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, I know he's not here, but Dog sent us in a comment that um, the, the console rollover games, the the ones that came out on both consoles, the games like Gun and Cameo, they, they were going to be those big, huge next-gen games, and now we look back on them and we're like, eh, not that great. I'm impressed by this lineup. I have to say, this has got something for everyone. Um, I'm tempted to pre-order at least four or five, but at the moment I've only got two pre-orders but it's toughy oh by the way i should mention we saw more of rise we saw more of rise and um it wasn't all quick time events good hooray yeah that was just the demo that was like the intro level which told you what to press but the rest of the game isn't like that at all and it's the prettiest thing we saw oh prettier than titanfall yes oh wow Wow. i I mean this launch lineup is is really solid at launch lineups you know, way back a couple generations ago, uh, they'd often have three to five titles. I think yeah. the N64 launched with two, yeah. maybe Mario 64 and Pilot Wings. 
Um, so this is a pretty deep launch lineup, and I'm sure that other games are coming in fairly short order behind it. Um, there seems to be a, there's a mix of digital and retail titles that are going to be available through this, um, quite a few that are available on both consoles. So this also gives us a little window into, uh, things we're going to see then. I, I think this is a, this is a really solid list, but I have to say looking through it, I was absolutely unaware of what Power Star Golf is. Um, yeah, never hit my radar. So that's the one thing <laughs> I, I looked at this list and I went, um, okay. I can't help you on that. Yeah. I, I just... I wasn't even aware. So th there really is uh, some sort of depth to it. It's not necessarily all things you've you've seen before, and that's that's good. Like you said, something for everybody, and that's really important. At long. yeah, I, I agree. That I mean, you got your sports titles, you got your first person shooters, uh, you've got an Assassin's Creed game, which obviously that has a huge following. A couple of casual titles. So I think if you were definitely the person who's picking up Xbox One at launch, you're going to find a game you're going to like. Or at least a game yeah. that you are familiar with and will buy upon reputation. It's, it's right. almost too much choice. I mean, at least with the N64, you just knew what you were going to buy with the game. But now I'm like, I don't know what to buy. Well, and then you have something like Killer Instinct, which you can buy and sort of tease yourself with, I guess. Because you can get, well, not buy, but you can get the free stuff initially. And there's like a pay-to-play structure that yeah. was detailed. We're going to see more and more of the free-to-play freemium. So, well, and then Microsoft also yeah. went on. And they, they these aren't launch games, but... In the pipeline, I mean, you've also got, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition, you've got Destiny, uh, there's Final Fantasy XV that's coming, Mirror's Edge 2, which they talked about, uh, Star Wars Battlefront is coming at some point, uh, Watch, I mean, Thief, that's coming, Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, uh, Wolfenstein The New Order, so there's stuff that's coming, like Sunset Overdrive, there's stuff in the pipeline that, that's supposed to be hitting, you know, within a year after it's released, I know I'm not going to get the Xbox One right at launch, I'm going to wait a little bit. Uh, just because there are so many more games. Like, the launch lineup looks good, but I don't see an RPG there for me. I, I mean, I'm an RPG guy. I know RPGs take a lot of time. So I I'm going to hold off on, on upgrading for a while. But just knowing that there's all kinds of good stuff coming down the line. Like, Microsoft re revealed their full lineup uh, back in August. So th there's a bunch of stuff down the line, which that was a very popular story on the site. So too many games to mention right now, but there's tons of stuff coming. You've probably heard of most of it at some point or another. Uh, one other thing, we're just going to quickly mention this. Uh, this wasn't a super huge popular story on the site, but we're bringing it up because we uh, discussed it in the previous podcast in that uh, at Gamescom, Microsoft announced, kind of outlined their self-publishing uh, system. So it's going to allow the smaller independent developers to publish on the Xbox One. Um, and it's going to allow those developers to become a registered developer, at which point they're going to be given access to two development kits, a developer documentation and developer forums. So Microsoft is really kind of rolling it back, getting on board with what kind of the industry standard is for independent development, which is nice. I, I know Dog has lots of thoughts on that, which unfortunately he's not able to join us today. But Microsoft really is getting their act together uh, on allowing these smaller developers, these two and three and one and two man teams to actually get their, get their products out to Microsoft gamers, which is great. So let's just hope that uh, developers, smaller developers, take advantage of that so we can get some of these really cool, smaller, independent titles on the Xbox One, which is cool. Uh, other things of note, uh, Xbox One is going to have day one game bonuses for some of their games. So these are primarily going to be the Microsoft exclusive games. So games like Rise, Son of Rome, uh, you're going to get the Legionnaire's Trust exclusive sword, as well as a Ruins map. Uh, there's also going to be rewards 
for Dead Rising 3, which this might be the coolest one in that you get the classic Frank West outfit. Uh, so if you're a fan of Dead Rising, you <laughs> yep. can look like Frank West again. But you also get the Chuck Green outfit. So if you like Dead Rising 2, you can get into that. Uh, then they also mentioned that they're going to be doing uh, exclusive stuff for Forza 5. So uh, they, there's going to be yeah. stuff for getting it early, <laughs> uh, which is great for those gamers who want to uh, jump in and invest early. So do you think all these bonuses will be eventually purchased? Of course. Further down oh, yeah. Line. It's basically like the pre-order bonuses we see yeah. now. It's it. I, they just gave it a fancy name to match the rest of the branding. That's really all it is, though. Um, I'm sure we'll see them for, well, now not Microsoft points, right? No, it's just about to say 50 points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Rich, my question for you, since you're obviously all in on Forza, uh, there are three exclusive cars that you're going to get for being a day one buyer. Which one are you most excited about? Are you excited about the 2010 Audi TT RS Coupe? The 2011 Lamborghini Gallardo LP570-4 Super Leggera, or hang on, just sit down. The 2013 Ford Focus ST. I know which one I want. Okay, so the T. I've driven a TT. They're a lot of fun to drive. Um, RS versions obviously sported up a bit, um, but the Ford Focus ST is a is a lot of fun to drive. It's a lot of fun to throw around those those Ford Focus STs. So. I don't know, man. I, all of them are great, aren't they? Lamborghini Gardo is a great car as well. I mean, that's the one that's going to have the, the pace. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll play them all. They're, they're very different, aren't they? That's the, that's the joy yeah. of these three cars. They're all, they're all pretty funky in different ways. So do I get all of them? Yes, I believe you Woo-hoo. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole thing is included. Okay, right. I will say, just to choose one, I will say the RS TTRS Coupe. Yeah, that, that's kind of the one I would go for because it, it's one of those dream cars that you'd actually buy at some point yeah because the odds of me ever yeah, opening a lamborghini it's definitely are, are, viable yeah excellent so uh another bit of news kind of uh that bridges the xbox one and 360 gap you will be able to use both uh at the same time uh they we have a, a story on the site was posted uh very early in september so i encourage all of you to read that because there's a lot of good information there uh so you're going to be using your xbox one and 360 at the same time it also goes a little bit into the reputation system, which we've talked about in the previous podcast, how you could be a good player, a needs work player, or an avoid me player. Yeah, that was interesting, that stuff. Hopefully it makes Xbox Live better for all of us. It certainly sounds like it could, could be good, but as, as ever, the proof will be in the pudding. Right. We, we talked about that a little bit last time, too, that it, it all sounds good. Um, but the actual, I mean, the reputation system on the 360 sounds good, too. But mm. you're on Xbox Live for two months. You have a five-star reputation pretty much no matter what you do. It didn't really yeah. work. So hopefully this does. And um, also back to the 360 and one simultaneous usage. What's nice about that is if you still want to use the 360 as your, like, app box while you're playing the one. Like, you know, if you have a family or whatever else and you can stick your 360 and still be logged in on your one gold account so you don't have to develop another one just so people can get on there to use Netflix. So it's, it's really nice to be able to use both of them in that way. Yep. So obviously, as the weeks go on, we are literally like, we can start counting down weeks until the Xbox One is announced now, oh. which is, I mean, we're, we're about two months away at this point. So it's like eight weeks. Rich, I'm sure you've got like a countdown clock in your office right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's counting down Why to GTA at the moment. I'll have to re- <laughs> reset it come Tuesday. Why don't, why don't we have a countdown on the site? Oh, yeah, we could do. Let's One. do that. I think, I think some do, but um, there's, there's no reason not to, right? That's going to change the whole face yeah, of everything, right, when it happens. Leave that with me, Michelle. All right, we'll do. I trust you, Rich. Yeah. I trust you. That's a whole week's worth of programming coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, and GTA comes out on Tuesday, Rich, so you've <laughs> yeah, got, actually. what, like 72 hours to get actually, that done? Yeah, from Tuesday. I'll, I'll work on that from Tuesday, but I won't be available for at least six days working on that countdown. Well, let's uh, jump into some kind of gaming news announcements. The, the first one, and this has kind of been an ongoing story that I, I know personally I'm not quite sure to, how to cover it because given the source, it's it's kind of sketchy, but Cliff Blazinski, who most gamers will associate with Epic Studios and the Gears of War franchise, Cliff is no longer with Epic. I know he complains about that on Twitter a lot, that people are still blaming him for Gears of War judgment stuff, which he had no hand in. But he's on Twitter, he's very active on it, and he's been slowly releasing teases of this new project that he's working on. So about every couple of weeks or so, or every couple of days, he'll just drop like a, a piece of concept art and say it's something he's working on. So back in August, he teased this picture, and it basically looks like a bunch of really big, tall basketball players and a really tiny ref. Uh, and I and maybe there's like a jetpack in there somehow, but it, it just looks really confusing. And then the next one she released on the 19th looks like a, a city being destroyed by, like, massive thunderstorms, which, again, that, that's kind of hearkening back to that post-apocalyptic type stuff. And then a couple of days later, uh, on September 2nd, which is a few weeks later, there's a picture of a, a guy and a child kind of walking along the banks of a river in a futuristic city. So Cliffy is being really kind of tight-lipped about what all these are. I'm really curious. I'm also very skeptical about what's going on. I think anyone who, who follows Cliff on Twitter or, or knows anything about his public persona, he, he loves trolling. He just loves it. So part of me wonders if this is just him trolling gamers, but there's another part of me that doesn't doubt he's actually working on something. Just the correspondence he has with other members of the games media saying, hey, I'll be, I'll be showing you guys something really soon. Here's a little tease. But I, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Have either of you been following this story at all? I mean, I've been following as the pictures come out, and they're completely dissociated images. So this is either going to be the most brilliant thing when he finally pulls it together and says this is how they're all related, or it's exactly what you just said. He's just been releasing them just so people talk. You know, he he kind of likes the spotlight on him. I think that's fairly clear. Um, and he's definitely working on something. There's no doubt of that. So this is just a way to keep his name fresh. So it's it's one extreme or the other with these. I, I'm I'm not... I really don't know, just because the images are so disparate, I have no idea where he's going with it. Yeah, I know. It's one of those stories, like, every time he releases something, every outlet jumps to cover it, and it's really, we don't know, it's, it's pretty pictures, that's great. So I think it's really interesting how we, as the quote-unquote games media, are covering these slow trickle of releases. So I, I really, part of me is annoyed, part of me is excited, but it's something where I think we're going to have to keep an eye on for a while. Yeah, so uh, another thing that kind of came out later in August was uh, Microsoft released the pricing structure for Killer Instinct. Now, we mentioned it a little bit ago, how this is kind of a, a free-to-play title, but the pricing structure, how you can buy characters individually, and the way these characters are going to be priced is they start, and you can't see me, but I'm doing the air quotes. They start at $4.99 American uh, $3.99 British pounds and $4.99 euros, which, you know, I'd say that's a disposable income expense. You're not going to think too much about that. Uh, you can also get a, the Combo Breaker pack, which includes the first eight characters to be released. And that pack, so you'll get eight characters for $19.99 American, $16.99 British pounds, or $19.99 euros. 
And that represents a 50% discount if you were to buy each of those characters individually. So again, that's like, you know, buying a season pass or a map pack there. And then they also have the Ultra Edition, which is the most expensive option. Uh, and that is going to include all the combo breaker packs. It adds character accessories, character costumes, and a copy of the original arcade version of Killer Instinct. And that entire pack is going to cost $39.99 US or $34.99 British pounds and $39.99 euros. So... Again, that, that's not terribly expensive if you're looking at the price for a full retail game. But I, I really, I'm more curious to see how many other developers are going to try a model like this, where a low point of entry, so you're buying a base game for a smaller price amount, and then just nickel and diming extras on if you want them. Because I, I think anyone who's kind of plugged into the industry knows that the, the funding model for games it's anywhere from just a little broken to incredibly broken. And we can see with things like DLC, Season Passes, how just the business model for creating a game is rapidly changing, and the market hasn't really accommodated to that too much yet because games are still you know, $59.99 here in the States. New games, that's the price they're launched at, and that doesn't reflect things like increased developer costs, uh, the rapid fluctuations in the job market, that type of stuff. So... I really want to kind of just follow this trend to see how many other developer and publishers try to go with this free-to-play microtransaction model. I don't know. That, that's my two cents. Uh, Rich, what, what, any thoughts there? Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see more of the – this is sort of the mobile gaming philosophy, isn't it, freemium? And um, I, it's interesting they've chosen to do it with a fighting game because – not that I play fighting games ever at all, but uh, whenever when I did back in the day, I would generally only have one character that I would use – so that seems to be a bit of a flaw with the way they're doing Killer Instinct. I don't know whether it will be the same. Uh, I don't know whether people have... The problem is, I guess, people don't know what characters they're going to enjoy playing with until they've played with them all. But So you said that the game's free to play, but you want, you need a character, presumably. So you, you, you must buy one before you can play it, presumably. I, I would think so. I'm still not 100% clear on exactly what it means, because I'm like you, Rich. I don't really play fighting games... Uh, but I understand, you know, at least in the the more competitive circuit, uh, fighter or fighting game, you know, pros typically find a character or maybe two or three, and they just focus on those and customize those to whomever they're playing against. Well, generally, there's such a, a steep learning curve. There's so many moves to learn that to try and do that for 16 characters or 32 characters would just take you forever. Right. So that's I think that's generally why people do that. Yeah. So it seems an odd choice to do it like that, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. Certainly, I think people that do play fighting games are excited for, for this game. I have heard a lot of positive um, vibes for it, so we, we'll see. But- I think it's sort of a, a brilliant take in theory, depending on how it works. Um, $39.99 is cheaper than a typical retail game. Plus, you're getting the original Killer Instinct. So if you're into fighting games, just that seems like a good package. Eight Fighters is, is a decent selection of fighters. It's obviously not the best that you'd hope for, but then you're going to have new fighters released for another $4.99, I'm sure. Um, so it actually gives a lower cost of entry for a full product. Um, and also the point you made, Rich, about most people who play fighters casually, they have one, maybe two characters they're into. It's better to get people to spend something than nothing. So if releasing one character at four ninety nine entices you to spend the four ninety nine, where you would have bought nothing before because you weren't interested in playing as all these other characters. Ah, but what if you were interested in paying and you wanted to pay $59.99 and now you're only going to buy one character? Right, so we're going to see how this actually works out. <laughs> I think... Um, I. I I think that people like seeing lower numbers. So 
uh, it may also encourage people who are moderately interested in Killer Instinct because they played it back in the arcades. You know what? It's 40. It's almost a budget title yeah. now. So um, I'll go in for it. So it, I think this is the right way to try this pricing structure, though, because a fighting game per character sort of lends itself okay to it. You wouldn't want to do something like an, um, a platformer where you're buying per right. level, right? So this, this kind of lends itself nicely to seeing if this will work. I mean, all that said, I'll probably try the free-to-play version of it and not get anything further. But if I'm really enjoying it, yeah, I might spring $5 to play as one character that I'm comfortable with, sure. So um, we'll, we'll see how it works out. It's This is the right time to try this and see how it works. I have no idea how much traction it will get, but it's, it's a really interesting experiment, so yeah, we'll see exactly. how it goes. I, I agree, Michelle. This is an interesting experiment. It's the right time to do it with a new console launch. This is very much going to be the test balloon. I think everyone's going to be watch. Every business person at every developer and publisher is going to watch this, see how it does, because you know, it, it could completely change the pricing structure. I, I know if there, there's games that I love, I'm willing to pay a little bit extra and really support that developer, and there's games where I want to try it, but I don't want to do the whole way. So I think I think it's an interesting model. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Well, and a big question that will come up for the majority of our listeners is going to be achievements. If you pay only $5 for one character, can you access all the achievements? Because if that's the case and the achievements are reasonable, you're going to see a lot of purchases from people that frequent sites like TA that may not have purchased it before because they just want the gamer score. And $5 is a good buy-in. So um, that's another thing we have to see is how the list is affected by this. Like, Can you get only a, a fifth of the list at $5 and then get half at 20 and then get all of it at, at 40 So we'll see how all this actually winds up working out. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something we'll, we'll all be keeping an eye on. So uh, we'll kind of stop there and, and move on to uh, the next story, which is an expansion announcement uh, of XCOM Enemy Within. I know I mentioned at the top of the podcast I just started playing Enemy Unknown. I know this was Dog of Thunder's game of the year, uh, but Firaxis giving us more content for XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is really awesome because that game, it's gotten a lot of really good critical buzz. I know I'm enjoying it as early as I am in it. I was one of those gamers who loved Civilization Revolution. I have some friends who still are heavily into Civ, Civ Rev. I, I think I have two friends who constantly are jockeying back and forth to be the number one player in the world, which is funny to me. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, so Fraxis supporting XCOM Enemy Unknown with XCOM Enemy Within. More stuff is coming, which is really cool. I know I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. Um, let's move right on. Uh, I'm going to try and stay out of this next discussion too much or because I've already weighed in quite a bit on it, but the news came out, uh, back a couple of months ago or about a month ago, actually that Zenimax online, who is the parent company for Bethesda, they're going to be charging a monthly fee to play the elder scrolls online, which is again, it's an MMO. It's coming to the Xbox one. And I think it's also, is it also coming to the 360? I think it is or no, it's just Xbox one. I think it's just Xbox one. I'm, I'm not 100% yeah. sure though. Yeah, neither am I. But uh, so console gamers are going to have to pay the flat fee for the game, and that's going to include one month of access. And then each subsequent month is going to be fourteen ninety nine or the equivalent for your local currency. And I, I weighed in pretty heavily on this in an op-ed. I don't think it's a really smart business plan. I think it's going to chase away a lot of console gamers. And the comment section on the story was actually really robust. I'm really... Uh, I want to say I'm proud of our community because there was a little bit of trolling there, but it was also a lot of really educated discussion on if you're used to paying 15 bucks a month for an MMO, this isn't a huge deal. So I think that's really interesting. But uh, 
What are your thoughts here? I, I'm not 100% sure because I'm not an Elder Scrolls player and I'm not an MMORPG player. So this whole news bit, I knew it happened, but it, it really passed me because I didn't follow up on it. But it's not just paying $15 a month. You're still paying your live subscription on top of it. So you're kind of getting hit doubly to play this game online if you're playing it on an Xbox One, um, which seems a little crazy. I, I just... I understand why they want to do this. They've got to maintain their servers and, and all that other sort of thing. But it's, it's a typical $15 fee like you'd pay for Warcraft. But, you know, Warcraft or whatever else, you're not paying an additional fee to be on another service to use it. So I, I think the problem is that you're already paying for Xbox Live, which is supposed to give you access to these universes. It, it just To me, it seems like a bad idea just because it's so much extra cost. But I really don't know what the game is going to entail and what the payoff will be for people who are into Elder Scrolls. So I don't I can't really comment too much further on it. It's actually a triple whammy as well because you've still got to buy a retail copy of the game. So I don't know. Right. It's, it's, I, yeah. I have no interest in this anyway, but um, it looks like a hell of a lot of money yeah. to me. This was a game that I, I was very interested in. I, I know we've had this discussion before that I really, really enjoyed Skyrim. I, like I said, I have buddies who they will play the same section of Skyrim at the same time and do party chat just to compare notes. So this game obviously has a market, but again, it comes back to I'm going to pay $59.99 for the base game. I'm going to be paying my Xbox Live subscription, and then on top of that, I'm going to be paying a monthly fee. So they will hook in some people who really want this bad or who are used to paying this type of money for an MMO. But I just don't think it's a smart idea in a console market. Um, I, I suppose I never want to wish failure on anyone, but a very large part of me hopes that this rolls out for you know three to six months, and then they go to a free-to-play model that includes things like microtransactions. Which that's the that's the cherry on top of this whole thing is that in, in another interview, um, the Zenimax spokesperson said the game is still going to include microtransactions. Yes. For quote unquote non essential stuff like name changes and quote things like that. So I don't want to begrudge anyone the right or the opportunity to monetize their product. There's obviously going to be a market for this. It's obviously going to be very popular. But part of me says it's it's going to be an evolution. It's going to adjust quite a bit. Yeah, it doesn't have a choice really. Um, it's it's just it's a lot. Like you said, the console market is just very different. It's built differently. We're geared to think differently. I've been playing. You know, we've we've all been playing games like Halo and Gears and all that online forever. I know it's not like a pervasive world thing. That's it's not being adjusted in that way. But we've never had to pay an extra fee to play that monthly. Um, but did they say too? Like, I mean, I hear Elder Scrolls Online, so that implies me there's no campaign stuff right like the whole point is to play it online so if you just get that 60 dollars retail disc is there any value to it if you're not paying that 15 dollars fee a month i i would assume not i assume it comes with a month online right or something right to, well so does uh like at least i think it used to be when you bought an xbox 360 right they throw a, a month card in there yep. or whatever yeah. else where they, they'd like sign you up right away for gold so you get used to it and then you want to buy in but really it's got no value once that expires so uh, I think like it's not like there's you can go and a fancy star online was that way where fancy star online had no value outside of being able to go online and play it with other people. So uh, we'll see elder schools just has such a community around. It. It'll probably have some degree of success, but how long that lasts past that first free month. I have no idea. Yeah. The, uh, the one thing I kind of want to keep an eye on is I really want to know what Activision is going to do with destiny because destiny, it's going to have this persistent online world. It's going to be, online focused it's very mmo like i kind of want to see 
because they, they've been very mum on the topic. I, I don't remember how much they've actually said on if this is going to be an additional online fee because everybody knows Activision loves their online fees, uh, especially since they're partnered with Blizzard and they see the cash that World of Warcraft rolls in. But I, that's something I want to keep my eye on is if, if Destiny does anything similar to this uh, moving forward. Right. This is another experiment. The the new console cycle where we're just they're all trying to figure out ways to maximize profit, which is understandable. We've you've already mentioned about uh, Jay about how the economy in gaming is is just it's bad for developers yeah. for the most part. So we're going to see a lot of yeah. this. Well, uh, let's move on to some happy news. Uh, we we don't again I, I, we don't want to wish death on anyone, but Microsoft points are dead. They're dead, um, which is great news for everyone except those of us at TA who have to write up DLC articles and then have to look up tons yeah. and tons of currencies. Yeah, and those of us that have to recode an entire website so that it now shows prices in local currency, Yes, <laughs> uh, oh, which is what I've been working on for the last two weeks. So we have a site update coming soon, um, probably a couple of weeks away. Um, I've been working with the Game Info team to add in regional uh, variations of games. So we will eventually be able to show you your local currency, uh, your local marketplace link, um, the size of the game for your region, because it does differ. And uh, yeah, and it's and sales as well. will all be customized to your Xbox region, and that is coming in a couple of weeks. So uh, look out for the news story. Is that just, uh, also as a heads up, is that going to be something that's going to require some downtime for the site for it to go live? No. Like sometimes you have to take it off for an hour for maintenance or anything like nope. that. Is this just nope, going to flip uh, a switch and it's, it's on? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put a site news story up. But yeah, they, in fact, you'll already notice in your settings that there is an Xbox region uh, that can be chosen, although it won't do anything yet. But um, coming soon to a <laughs> True Achievements website near you. Nice. Uh, speaking of, we always talk about our community. We love our community, and uh, our community does some really cool things. But what really makes our community special and unique is when things start in our community and spring towards the developers who actually listen. And that actually has happened uh, with Eidos, uh, who's made Kanan Lynch. Uh, the, probably one of the most popular stories on the website that's actually got posted end of August Uh is a thread started in the Kanan Lynch Dead Man uh, forums with Eidos, started by our community member, Click IMB, and they actually, listen, they're resetting the Kanan Lynch leaderboards uh, on October 1st, which is going to be really cool because that's going to allow people to get the true elite achievement and the celebrity achievement. So this is super huge news for anyone who's been trying to complete Kanan Lynch Dead Man, uh, which is really cool. So that's, that's great news. Uh, cheers to our community for getting that movement out there and uh, big props to Eidos for listening, which is really cool. Uh, any thoughts before we move on to the next one? I don't know. Have either of you actually played that game? I have not. No, no I have plans to, but uh, not yet. Just one thing to keep in mind for everyone, though. Just keep that up, that sort of positive way of handling things. Communicate with developers and publishers. We've seen a few. There was a need for speed um, Carbon, mm-hmm. was it? I don't remember because there's yeah. so many, but there was one of those that got turned uh, turned back on because of community input. I think there was a Tiger Woods achievement. There, there's some other achievement in, in one of the sporting games that got, they added another challenge 
Uh, there was the SSX um, yeah. 5,000 or 50,000 people online. Mm -hmm. This is from community members reaching out, tweeting, sending messages, not with fire and pitchforks, but hey, we have a lot of people interested in this and we want to get this done. And, and so it shows how you're able to make this happen if you communicate with developers. They're they're, they want to make you happy because then you'll buy their product again. So it's just awesome to see this happen, and, and we're happy to give credit to the community members who did this, and just thumbs up to you guys for the good job. And if you see that again, you know, this is the way to go about it and get it done. Yeah, it's all about respectful dialogue. I mean, the right. internet, I mean, manners are dying on the internet, but if you have a respectful dialogue with anybody, they're going to be more likely to listen and act on something you ask for. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're commenting on anything on the internet, that respect is, it takes two seconds, but it's worth so much more. Yep. Anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, September Games with Gold announcement. So uh, the announcement came out, you know, end of August, but now until September 15th, which is coming up real soon, uh, it's actually, we're recording on Saturday, so it's better get on this if you want it. You might have actually already missed it. But uh, from the 1st through the 15th, uh, Gold members were able to get Magic the Gathering, Deals of the Plane, or uh, the Plane Walkers. 2013, which is a mouthful, so I apologize for <laughs> slurring through that, but you could get that for free, and then starting uh, the 15th through the 30th, you can get Rainbow Six Vegas, uh, which I will be getting, because I'm kind of curious about that, not so curious, it's a great game. not so curious about Magic, but yeah, I, I kind of want to check out Rainbow Six Vegas. Uh, Rainbow Six Rocks. Okay. Okay. Glad to hear that. Fair enough. I'm, I'm getting it as well. This is the first uh, games for Windows, or Gold games with gold promotion game other than defense grid that i don't already own so i'm super excited it's something i can download and actually not just download it because it's free and digital but actually because i can play it i am aware it requires a vision camera if you want to get all the achievements so really I, I think so i think that there's a couple of the achievements require a vision a vision camera so something to keep in mind if you're going to download that game the vision camera is fairly cheaply available but um if completions matter to you you're gonna want to take a look can you not use connect i don't know i don't think so because in other games like totem ball you can't use the connect in place of a vision camera uh, it's, oh. it's a different uh input you know it's, it's not it's not okay. the same deal so i i i'm pretty sure i had been told that you will need a vision camera i'm just trying to look real quick to see if i can find yes okay there's, there's I, I should say if you're both if you're both getting this game, you should play it together because there's an amazing uh, online survival thing okay. which you can play. I think it's up to four players online oh, cool. um, at once on the same map against a whole ton of bad guys wave after wave. It's really good fun. So, yeah, you should do that. Terrorist mode. Okay. Yeah, and, and for those of you who weren't aware, there's an achievement called True Identity um, that does require you to use the Xbox Live Vision camera to create a character with your appearance. So... Um, Something to keep in mind if you're planning on downloading that and bean diving it or whatever else you may do. Uh, if the completion matters, make sure you have access to a vision cam. Nice. Yeah, I, um, I've actually found that as we're getting in the twilight of kind of this console generation, completions are mattering less to me. I just want to play as many of the good games oh, that yeah. the 360 has to offer before I kind of move yeah. on to the ones. Agreed. So I, I'm, I might be actually doing a bit of writing about that and seeing what the rest of the community thinks about if their game playing habits are changing since we are heading towards doing a new console cycle. So that's definitely something really interesting. Uh, we have two other quick stories we'll mention before we get on to our other stuff. Uh, the first is that uh, some more details kind of came out for Borderlands 2's newest DLC, uh, which is going to be uh, the ultimate, ultimate vault hunter 
Um, the Ultimate Vault Hunter upgrade. It's going to have 11 new levels for a new level cap of 72. 11 extra skill points available, just like before. New legendary mods and, wait for it, pearlescent grade weapons. So, drooling for the new loot. Uh, there's also going to be new skins, new heads, and new map. So, again, Gearbox is continuing to support Borderlands 2. They're probably going to keep rolling out DLC as long as people keep playing it. Um, but that game, it's another, again, I mentioned earlier, 2012 had so many good games. Borderlands 2 was just one of them, so kudos to Gearbox, keeping supporting that, keeping players uh, interested in continuing to play it. Uh, the other small bit of news that was really popular because it combines two of the biggest uh, and most popular universes on the console is uh, Minecraft is getting a Mass Effect mashup. So... Hooray! I know <laughs> I'm a big Mass Effect fan, but I, I still have not really played Minecraft. I'm not terribly interested in it. But if you like both, it's, you know, putting your peanut butter together with your chocolate, I suppose. The screenshots look funny. They do look pretty funny. <laughs> I'm actually looking at them now. Minecraft screenshots do have that specific quality where it does look kind of kind of <laughs> funny at all times, but also it's a good uh, barometer for the mashup that they're attempting. So that's kind of neat. Uh, which leads us uh, pretty successfully into our achievement challenge. Now, we're going to change this up a bit. Uh, in the past, what we've done is we've picked an achievement challenge, usually like a week or two before we record the podcast, and then whoever's been challenged to do it has had, you know, 7 to 14 days to cry and crush through an achievement, which has really hampered us on the types of achievements we could really pick for this challenge. So we put it out to the community a little bit earlier this time, and what we're going to do is we're going to pick – an achievement challenge in one podcast, challenge it to somebody, and then that person is going to have the full month to try and complete that achievement. So we actually have a really good challenge for this upcoming month. And it comes from Kez001, so Kez001, who noticed that all four of us on the podcast have Batman Arkham Asylum. None of us have completed the game, and none of us have (laughs) this challenge. So... All four of us have been challenged by Kez001 to get the Free Flow Silver Challenge in Batman Arkham City, which has achieved 16 medals on combat challenges. So we're all going to try and tackle this for the October podcast. Uh, The one small Mm -hmm. caveat is Dog of Thunder no longer has Arkham Asylum. It has vanished into the ether, but he's going to be attempting the comparable achievement in Batman Arkham City. So, uh, what are your thoughts, Michelle Rich, on attempting to go for this? Okay, well, I have played some of these challenges before, and I think, um, okay, so if memory serves, you're in a you're in a room. Uh, in fact, I think there's three different types. So, the, one of them is a sort of uh, wave after wave, and you have to t- the waves get more and more bad guys in them, and you have to t- chain combos together and, and get as many points as you can. It's all about point scoring in that one. So, it's all about not letting your combo slip. And I think I've gone through and got sort of bronze medals in quite a few of these. So I've probably got around seven of the 16 already. The problem comes when you try and step it up to try and get silver. So you're in the same, effectively, you've got the same time limit with the same number of bad guys. Um, And certainly to get a gold, you cannot let your combo slip at all. So it's all about chaining between guys. If there's a guy that's quite a long way away, you have to sort of slide over to him without losing your combo and then getting the uppercut in before it disappears. So um, these are hard. I remember I did put quite a bit of time into them before. Um, But at least he hasn't asked us to get the gold. Yes. uh, Which which would be impossible. Yeah. That's that's kind of the key thing because uh, I've always enjoyed 
quote-unquote challenges like this, but I've never been particularly good at them. Like, I always get really frustrated because just one small slip and it's and it's done. Like, you're, you're just, you're crushed. Um, currently, the top solution for this achievement comes from uh, KillMe37, who says, This achievement can be difficult for some, including me, since I don't have the achievement for 24 medals, but this wasn't that bad. Try to get through the rounds without getting hit because you'll get a bonus at the end, and try doing the right trigger plus Y attack while they are on the ground because it gets you the most points, especially with a high combo. It does leave you vulnerable to an attack, so do it when no one is near you. Now, what's really interesting about this achievement, there's only two solutions for it, and they uh-huh. don't have many votes. The, the achievement itself, it has a base score of 25, but the TA score is 66, so it has a ratio Ooh. of 2.64, <laughs> which means this isn't, this isn't going to be a walk in the park for any of us. Uh, I, well, how many people have tracked this game? Oh, goodness. Uh, a lot. Uh, yeah, 88,000. Just over 88,000 right. gamers so have tracked this. This is an exceptional sample size, so we know that this is legitimately a difficult thing to do. Um, yeah, in fact, I can also tell you, because I haven't got it yet, <laughs> that there's one for getting eight medals, uh, and I haven't got that yet, so I've definitely got less than eight, and even that has a TA ratio of two, over two, so oh, even getting eight is non-trivial. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so this, this is definitely going to be a... Interesting. I, I feel like going into this, I have to relearn the game. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I've been popping in Arkham City once a month to work for Calendar Man, and every time I put it in, I, um, you know, even just to remember, like, wait, this is the button that runs, and this is what this is what accesses the the grip hook or whatever. Like, the game actually has a very complicated control scheme. It's very good, but there's a reason why they tutorial you for a long stretch in the game. So that's the first thing I'm thinking is I've got to relearn how to play. I mean, that's going to take two or three days itself just to play it effectively. Um, So, but it'll be a fun challenge and I'm glad we have the full month and that this change in structure, I think is going to help us a lot. Um, So have either of you got the eight? eight No, I just looked. I don't have it either. Yeah. So Uh, we're all starting from, from yeah, I don't think I do. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So again, this is, I think I might have like three. I'm pretty sure I tried. Yeah, you're in my friends who've not won this. Yeah. I I tried it once (laughs) or twice and yeah, it didn't, it didn't happen. (laughs) So, uh, again, this is like the perfect example of a great challenge because Kez actually mentions because the gold would be just mean, I'm challenging you to the silver. So we like the tough challenges. We don't really want to do the ones that are going to make us hate these games forever. Uh, but this is, this again, it's such a good challenge. We're actually going to be sending uh, Kez001 uh, a prize. He's going to be getting a code for Matt Hazard, Bloodbath, and Beyond. So he, hopefully he'll be getting that yeah, here yeah. in his PM. Well done. Woo-hoo. Pretty much as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to be sending that to him. So, great challenge. Uh, we will, again, let you know in October whether any of us got it. Uh, so, I, I, I'm hoping I do, but I'm not very optimistic on my end. <laughs> I've just noticed that Dog has the eight. Oh, he's got the okay. Eight. Dog is so the best out of he's all ahead of us. Of us. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I'm not he's surprised. Start, he's, he, he's got to start over now with Arkham City. Yeah, yeah he has. Yeah, yeah correct. City, so. Dog's love for games like you know Devil May Cry and things like that, I think, give him a slight advantage over us. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. he's used to the combos. Uh, but I also just want to say too, with the um, the challenge itself, again, excellent challenge, um, and. 
for everyone to keep in mind, so when we post this again, we'll have the threads, and please suggest challenges there, but just keep in mind, again, they won't be announced till the next month. But it gives you guys flexibility to pick something. Like, if you know that there's a game with an 8 to 10 hour campaign, and you see we haven't completed it, it gives you the flexibility to choose that 8 to 10 hour campaign. That might be something we'd pick, because we actually have the time to do it now. And if we pick things that are multiplayer, we can get you guys involved in helping us. So it gives a whole lot of new things. So I'm, this this new structure gives you a lot more leeway in what you're picking. So enjoy going through our cards once again uh, and challenging us to achieve these goals. Yes. So uh, let's take a quick look ahead. I know we're already halfway through September, uh, but we have a couple of games coming out. Uh, there's the little game. I mean, NHL 14 has already come out, so that's a big one. Diablo 3 came out at the beginning of the month. Uh, I'll be getting that. If, well, actually, technically I already have it. I just haven't taken possession of it. Uh, the the big monster, Grand Theft Auto 5. If any of you are listening to this, hopefully you're listening to it while you're running through Grand Theft Auto 5. Um, and then uh, the last, later on in the month, we have Pro Evolution Soccer 2014, uh, FIFA 14, and then also the DuckTales Remastered just came out, which the review uh, should be on the site right now. It got a very good review, so make sure you check that out. But yeah, I think this is one of those months where we had a couple of games at the beginning. You know, FIFA's huge, especially in Europe, but it's also very popular in the States. But kind of everybody just cleared away for Grand Theft Auto V, uh, which makes sense. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I, just, I should just tell you, we had the opportunity to do a developer session um, at Gamescom for GTA V, and we turned it down because I insisted on not, not seeing any spoilers. Oh, I managed gosh. to avoid pretty much everything <laughs> apart from one trailer for this game, so I'm, I'm just going to lock myself in the room on Tuesday yeah. and, and just play. Um, taking a quick look ahead just to early October because you probably won't be able to sit down to record the October podcast until probably the 5th or the 12th. But uh, first week of October, NBA 2K14 comes out, so I know Treasy is going to be really excited for that. <laughs> uh, and then F1 2013 comes out on the 8th. Uh, there's also Defense Technica coming out and then uh, a game called Marlow Briggs. Uh, and then we get into later October where we have huge games like Batman Arkham Origins, uh, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, WWE 2K14, Battlefield 4. So once we start hit mid-October, we're going to get slammed by huge titles again. Yeah, we're going to start seeing those um, those those titles that will be on the 1 as well coming yeah. out in late October. So we'll get a little sneak peek at possibly you know things you might want to buy once the 1 comes out a month later. So yeah, two yeah. more podcasts. We might be talking about the 1, which is pretty crazy. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting because normally I would have pre-ordered FIFA. For September the 24th, but as I'm getting it free with the one... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I am getting it free with the one. There's no <laughs> Unless point. you get the Forza so, uh, one. No, I've already pre-ordered Forza, so I think oh, there's... Okay. I will probably get... My three games are going to be Dead Rising 3, Forza, and FIFA for, for launch. Excellent. All right, well, I think that about wraps it up for our September show. Uh, thank you to all of those who submitted achievement challenges. I uh, Editorializing, I was especially especially excited because a lot of you put some serious thought into those challenges. So keep that up. Uh, we will be doing our best to reward those who give us really good challenges. So there is a little bit of incentive on your end to uh, really take some time and think about that before you send us those challenges. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, also thanks to Dave K and the kinetic for providing us with our intro music. Uh, as always, you can connect with true achievements on Twitter. We are at true achievement. You can get in touch with us on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us uh, on the site. Uh, I am OSU Blue Jacket. Rich is True Achievement. Michelle is Matriarch. 
Dog of Thunder is there too, so feel free. You know, I, I'm pretty liberal about accepting friend requests. I think Michelle's pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever want to take a look at that stuff there, you know, feel free to send us a friend request. One place you cannot get in touch with us, MySpace. Don't, no don't get me started on that MySpace. Man. No space. Yeah, no space. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to quickly say uh, True Trophies uh, sister site should be launching within the next... Well, by the, the time the next podcast is, is being recorded. So if you have a PlayStation, if you have a Vita, if you have friends that have them, tell them about True Trophies. It will be open for business, shall we say, uh, within a month. Excellent. Great, great. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll try and carve out some time in our October podcast to at least talk about that a little. We're going to try and keep the True Achievements podcast focused on True Achievements. Oh, but eventually we right. will probably start talking a little bit more about True Trophies as well. So. Well, right. Like you probably saw it at PlayStation stuff at Gamescom as well, right, Rich? Sure did. Yeah, In so... fact, I played uh, the Batman Origins on Vita. I played, yeah, I played a few things, but um, now's not the time. Right, another, right. Another time. But we'll, exactly, we'll come back to this and we'll definitely have PlayStation stuff to mention, although this will be dominantly True Achievements. Yeah, we might even just do that in a separate show oh boy two podcasts i don't know double podcast (laughs) (laughs) is the world ready (laughs) i don't know know. we're getting such mad feedback from more podcasts from us i don't Uh, know how we can split our time wow there we go yeah so demand is high demand is high (laughs) keep them wanting more excellent well on behalf of True Achievement and Matriarch, I am OC Blue Jacket. Once again, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes, or you can always download the podcast from the website. And uh, thank you so much for being with us, and we will see you, hear you, and dare I say hug you, back again in October. So have a good month of gaming and pop some achievements, gamers. Mm-hmm.